The Athletic. Good morning and welcome to The Briefing Show from The Athletic. It's Thursday the 13th of April, I'm Dan Barnes and here's everything you need to know from the world of football. Today we're asking, is there any hope left for Chelsea's Champions League campaign after they were swept aside by Real Madrid? The scoreline is almost one of the only positives in that they're still technically in the tie. At 2-0, there's still a glimmer of hope. What happened between Sadio Mane and Leroy Sané after Bayern Munich's defeat to Manchester City? In a moment of high emotion, uh, sort of slapped Leroy Sané across the face, busting his lip. And why have Liverpool pulled out of the race to sign Borussia Dortmund wonderkid Jude Bellingham? If they were to have proceeded with a, a move for Jude Bellingham, you know they would have been looking at using up a vast chunk of Jurgen Klopp's transfer kitty on, on one player, and I think they decided that wasn't the best course of action. This is The Briefing Show from The Athletic. In the Champions League, we start with a fairly straightforward 2-0 win for Real Madrid over Chelsea at the Bernabeu as the reigning European champions placed one foot in the semi-finals. It wasn't quite the result that Chelsea Cohen and Todd Bowley predicted before the game. If you haven't heard it, here's what he had to say. Uh, Chelsea's going to win. How much? 3-0. 3-0? Yeah. yeah. There's the shooting chance, shoot, shoot! Carlo Ancelotti celebrates, and Marco Asensio, fresh off the bench, scores the second goal tonight for the European champions. Karim Benzema opened the scoring for Real Madrid. This was the 20th goal that he scored against English opponents in the Champions League. That's second only to Lionel Messi. Marco Asensio then made it 2-0 in the second half after Ben Chilwell was shown a red card for hauling down Rodrigo. Chelsea, meanwhile, have failed to score in four consecutive matches in all competitions for the first time since December 1993. Their chances of progressing look very slim indeed. Joining us from the Bernabeu is the Athletics Chelsea correspondent Simon Johnson. Simon, are there any positives to be taken from the game for Chelsea despite the scoreline? I'd actually argue, Dan, that, that the scoreline is almost one of the only positives in that they're, they're still technically in the tie. At 2-0, there's still a glimmer of hope. Benzema missed a, a chance late on, free header, with Kepa out of his goal, puts it over the bar. That goes in, you sort of think it, it, it's done and dusted. That's a positive. And then I'm starting to struggle, to be honest, because after a bright start, or maybe you sort of refer to the bright start Chelsea made, that you sort of think, try and replicate that at Pakistan for Bridge next week. But I'm really clutching at straws because the gulf in quality between the two teams was so obvious. It, it, this is not like 12 months ago where Chelsea actually won here and went out of the quarterfinal on aggregate. The gap between the, the two sides wasn't as big then. Tonight it was. After Ben Chilwell's red card, Frank Lampard took off Raheem Sterling and Joao Felix for Kai Havertz and Trevor Chalobah. But were those the right calls? Well, of course, you could question whether sort of taking Sterling off, you've lost that pace, that threat to run in behind. But at the same time, Sterling had had 70 minutes, essentially, and, and hadn't really delivered, neither had, had Felix. The, the two, whilst I understood before kickoff, I'm not going to lie, I thought those two might be the option to go with. But unfortunately, they, they fluffed their lines. Sterling did get a good save out of Courtois shortly after Real Madrid took the lead. But on the whole, he was disappointing. Felix was very disappointing. So I, I understood why they came off in a way, because they were very ineffective by that stage. And in terms of Real Madrid, Simon... You've watched them. Do they look like a team primed to win their 15th European title? They're just so assured, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, 
that they were very impressive. That it, for me, it was the hunger that impressed me the most. Which you, you sort of go, oh, you know, all that talent on the pitch, and and what impresses you is, is something like work rate. But honestly, that that impresses me more that these guys have won Champions League after Champions League. They've been there, done that, and they just showed that they want to do it again. I mean, obviously, Manchester City, one would expect is who they'll face in the semi-final, so that's going to be a real clash of the heavyweights. But yeah, I, I, I thought Real Madrid looked a cut above, and Vinicius, unlike I me, mean, played pretty well last year. But this year, comparison, he really ran a mark and Chelsea can contain him. Real Madrid against Chelsea wasn't the only quarterfinal that took place last night. In an all-Italian showdown at the San Siro, it's advantage AC Milan after they edged out Napoli 1-0, thanks to a strike from midfielder Ismail Benacer. So, are Milan, who have won seven European Cups, the favourites to progress, or will runaway Serie A leaders Napoli fancy their chances of turning this tie around in next week's second leg? Watching that one was the Athletics Italian football writer James Horncastle. Magnificent occasion at San Siro tonight. Napoli should have been intimidated by the atmosphere, but they weren't intimidated by it. They started really, really well. It looked like they wanted to prove a point after that 4-0 defeat to Milan in the league at the Stadio Maradona 10 days ago. Napoli had like what felt like 100 corner kicks after just 10 minutes. They really piled the pressure on. But then, as they like to say in Italy, an episodio, a moment, an incident, kind of changed the game, really. And that was a really casual challenge by Mario Rui, the left back, which allowed Brahim Diaz to all of a sudden get behind the Napoli midfield. And they had a 5v3 and they, they made them pay. Ismail Benacer scored the only goal of the game. And he thought, OK, well, Napoli have done well enough up to now. They can get back into this game. But Angisa, who was probably the best player in the first half, magnificent in midfield for Napoli. He got booked, not once, twice, for challenges on the same player, Teo Hernandez. And to make matters worse, Kim then got booked as well. So Angisa and Kim will be suspended for the next game. We don't know if Aussie men will be back fit. You do go away from this game thinking Milan have got Napoli's number. We've just seen it time and time again that no matter how good Napoli look, Milan just have them figured out or have the edge. So let's see if that is the case again. Still only one goal in it at the Maradona next week. Continuing on with the theme of drama in the Champions League, there's been more fallout from Manchester City's demolition of Bayern Munich on Tuesday. During the match, which City won 3-0 at the Etihad Stadium, tempers flared between teammates Leroy Sane and Sadio Mane, and that disagreement carried on into the dressing room. It all resulted in an altercation that left the former City player Sane with a bloodied lip. With us now is the Athletics German football writer Raphael Honigstein. Rafa, can you explain exactly what happened between Sane and Mane? This altercation started towards the end of the game when there was a move that broke down between Leroy Sané and Sadio Mane. Uh, Sané wanted Mane to come deep, to collect the ball, come towards him. Uh, Mane made a run and they talked about it and it then evolved into a quite heated discussion which carried on in the dressing room and by, according to uh, people I spoke to, Sadio Mane felt disrespected didn't like uh, the criticism and in a moment of high emotion uh, sort of 
slapped Leroy Sonny across the face, busting his lip. It wasn't the most violent of move, but still enough to get uh, Leroy Sonny, as you'd expect, quite animated and angry, and the two then had to be separated by other players. It was a strange moment because Sadio Mane is known as a pretty humble, unassuming guy who uh, is very gentle and never loses his temper. But in this case, I think it betrayed a sense of frustration and uh, unease about his own form since coming to Munich. He was supposed to be the key player. He was supposed to be the superstar. Bayern talked about him winning the Ballon d'Or possibly. And uh, it hasn't happened yet. And Tuesday night was yet another game where he didn't quite have the desired impact. And obviously that comes with, yeah, huge expectations there being disappointed both for the player himself, but maybe also by some of his teammates. So it'll be very interesting to see what happens next. I understand that Bayern will take a view on Thursday when they know a little bit more about the facts, but uh, I don't think they can just brush us under the carpet. Bellingham works it well. Bellingham! Special! Special player, special talent, special, special goal from Jude Bellingham to Borussia Dortmund. Well, it's bad news if you're a Liverpool fan who's been dreaming of seeing Jude Bellingham play for your club anytime soon, and that's because Liverpool have pulled out of the race to sign the 19-year-old England midfielder from Borussia Dortmund this summer. Bellingham, who made his debut for Birmingham City as a 16-year-old before signing for German side Dortmund in 2020, is one of the most sought-after talents in world football. All of the big clubs in Europe would love to sign him, but on Tuesday, Liverpool confirmed that they won't be making a move for Bellingham ahead of next season. So, with the young man who was once considered Liverpool's top transfer target no longer a viable option, where does this leave the club in terms of their summer transfer plans? We've got Liverpool correspondent James Pearce with us to explain exactly that. James, as you wrote in your most recent column for The Athletic, the possibility of signing Jude Bellingham was providing some relief for Liverpool fans during what's been a miserable season. So, why have the club pulled out of the race to sign him? Yeah, I think there's a number of factors. I think the, the biggest one is certainly cost. I think the more that Liverpool discussed it, the more they came round to the fact that you know, they were looking at a transfer fee of around £130 million with wages and agents' fees on top of that. And I think they felt that, you know, certainly from the people I've spoken to said that deal from their perspective had just stopped making sense because, you know, let's not forget this is in a summer when it's looking increasingly likely that Liverpool won't have the riches of Champions League qualification. And I think another big, big factor is, is the fact that this season of regression for the club has shown that they need to probably sign four or five this summer. And if they were to have proceeded with a a move for Jude Bellingham, you know, they would have been looking at using up a vast chunk of Jurgen Klopp's transfer kitty on on one player. And I think they decided that wasn't the best course of action. Bellingham has long been touted as the player to fix Liverpool's midfield woes. But with him now seemingly out of the picture, who will their focus be on this summer? Well, we know there's a number of other leading targets that are in their sights. Chelsea's Mason Mount is certainly one of them. We know that there have been productive initial talks on that front. Mount, of course, is down to the last year of his contract at Chelsea this summer. Chelsea need to offload some players to to meet FFP requirements. And then certainly the Brighton duo of Casido and and McAllister are widely admired by the club's recruitment staff as well. I don't think any Liverpool fan, having watched them this season, would come to the conclusion that Drew Bellingham was solely the answer. Yes, he would have been a fantastic asset, but Liverpool arguably need, well, a a minimum of two, probably three midfielders to, to really kick on. You're listening to The Briefing Show from The Athletic. 
It's the quarterfinals of the Europa League and the Europa Conference League tonight. There are eight games to choose from and they're all on BT Sport in the UK and Paramount Plus if you're in the US. There are plenty of options and some early kickoffs mean that you could watch Ghent versus West Ham followed by Manchester United versus Sevilla. Or perhaps you prefer Feyenoord Roma and then Juventus Sporting. The choice is all yours. That's all from us. If you're not already a subscriber to The Athletic, make sure you take advantage of our latest offer. Go to theathletic.com forward slash TBS and it'll be $1.99 a month for your first year. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you subscribe. And if you've got the time, be sure to give us a review as well. I'm Dan Barnes, your producer was Mike Stavro, and The Briefing Show will be back tomorrow. The Athletic. <laughs>